So I'll be preaching this morning um, by stretch of definition of the word, because we're going to do quite a lot of worship <laughs> with no lyrics, which I think will be quite amazing, actually. Uh, make up your own song. The Lord says, sing a new song. We're going to exaggerate that. Singing a new song means sing the new song. Sing, sing, sing the same song in a new way each morning. It doesn't actually mean go and rewrite new songs. There's nothing new underneath the sun. But what we're going to do this morning is uh, I'm hoping that the worship will minister to you. Whatever resonates with you, you will sing back um, over each other into the Lord. The reason I've asked um, the kiddies to be released so early is because sometimes it's nice as a mom or a dad or an uncle, auntie or granny or grandpa to just be one-on-one with God and not have a clinger attached to your leg. I love my clingers. I want them to worship with me. But this morning, it'd be nice to just have, you know, space. Um, In fact, even those who don't have their own kids. (laughs) We would appreciate um, having some space between them and the Lord. So I'm just going to wait for everyone else to come back. I was, at, um, I was at a teaching with Michael Eaton and Artie Kendall this week. It was a five-day conference. And um, they covered some of the aspects of prayer, specifically um, gratitude. Um, it's like we think of prayer, and what we do is we unpack it first as asking God for stuff. That's the way most of us default to prayer. Especially, let's say you're a new Christian. Um, and I have to presume that there are people here who just have no concept of correct prayer or incorrect prayer or prayer that works, you know, that moves mountains and prayer that doesn't work. Um, our, our default posture, I think, is, hey, God, I need this. You are my provider. That sounds congruent with Scripture, so I'll, I'll, I'll pray through that. You say you're my provider. Could really do with a grand at the end of the month. Nothing wrong with that, but... That's not where prayer starts. I think the word prayer almost ruins it for us a little bit because it takes away the intimacy. What if I said that, Leisha, when you and Bruce are having a big fat chat, you're praying to Bruce? If I just reframed it a little bit differently, prayer is absolutely conversation with God at any point for any purpose. And uh, as a worshiper, what we are guilty of doing here is always exalting and worshiping and uplifting God, but not doing what the pattern of David was, which is to lament and have remorse and say, Lord, I'm absolutely stuck and broken. Where are you? You know, there's, there, there's a conversation part that we miss. It's like, if you guys have excellent relationships with your parents, maybe, maybe it's a girl thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a, a, it's, a, it's a lady thing to be stuck in a moment and go to your mom. Like, Girls seem to be able to relate, females, ladies, whatever PC term you want to use. It's so difficult dodging around terms these days. All you ladies, all your grands, all your girls, whatever age you are, I think it's easier for a female to go to her mom and be like, hey, dad, like, had this fight with so-and-so the other day. Do you have any advice? And that intimacy part is lost in prayer. We don't go to God. It's going to sound totally daft, and I wish Louise was here to correct my <laughs> vocab. We don't go to God the Father as that maternal side, as Holy Spirit, as I've had a really rough day. Can we just talk about it? Ladies, I've heard this a lot. Um, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to answer. I don't want you to fix it. Can you just hear me? And we don't have that posture before God. We don't feel the freedom to go and pray to God and just say, life is horrible right now. (laughs) Where are you, Lord? And... um, I think because, as I was saying to Bron this morning, worship has been separated 
from community, has been separated from prayer, has been separated from preaching, that we treat them as distinct and different parts of life. But I can tell you now, in heaven, in the kingdom to come, the now but not yet, prayer and worship and preaching are all the same in the expression of worship. If I come up here and I preach to you and it's not something that honors God, it's not worship. When I preach the truth of God, it's worship. When I sing the truth of God, it's worship. When I pray the truth of God, it's worship. So worship and prayer are interchangeable. Um, John Mark Comer is a young genius theologian in Portland, Oregon, USA. He's got a podcast called Bridgetown Podcast. And he's a wizard. He's one of those people who's been all the way down the academic channels and come all the way back again. And he's really interesting to listen to. And he says um, something that I've totally forgotten now. Often. Um, where was I? Just a second ago. Just before I started mentioning him. Yes. That moment's gone. Listen to John Mark Comer. It'll come to me later when I preach. The point is we're going to go into worship now. And so there's a thing about worship posture. Just let me tell you about worship posture quickly. It's not a U2 concert. The reason we say, hey guys, come to the front is not because I want to feel good because now I've got a congregation's response. It's because our posture is, number one, let's all face the same direction. Not at Paul and Bronwyn. It's just unity. You could, guys could all face the back for all I care, but you couldn't read the lyrics. So the posture is, let's all face the same, the same direction. So if you come and stand here, and you are praying this direction, while the congregation is praying this direction, it's a prophetic posture. The reason I encourage guys to come forwards, or let's all stand, is that it's unity. And where unity is, it commands God's blessing. Wow, rabbit trails deluxe, hey? But stick with me. Where there's unity, it commands God's blessing. It's not like God's blessing just rocks up. When we are united, it commands God's blessing. It's almost like this, this dictate, this mandate goes up to heaven. And God says, message received. There's unity. My blessing will fall. And that's why we do these things. Worship is powerful in that our posture means everything. Why don't we all just sing a totally different song? You know, I could play the same four chords that are in every worship song ever written. You've just heard the secret of worship songwriting. There are only four chords. They're known as the first, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth. And there's fancy terms for them. Um, but those four chords underpin every single song that's ever written. However, when we sing in unison the same chorus, that's prophetic of unity. And it commands God's blessing. Bear with me. Nearly done. I just feel I need to drive this home. We're going to sing some songs now. I'm going to try and go through choruses that we all know because we don't have AV today. But if you can't sing along, please just be ministered to. Please just let the words wash over you. And when you find the new song welling up in you, which is the exact same song that we're all singing, but with a new perspective. Okay, so listen to the lyrics. And we'll go around and then sing that out. John Mark Comer. Ding. Okay. Light bulb. Light bulb. Um, John Mark Comer says, singing prayer is twice as effective. And he quotes Augustine, I believe. Augustine says, to sing is to have prayed twice. Okay. And who's Augustine? 
he's one of the fathers that we actually pay attention to. And it makes sense, like something drops in your spirit that when you sing, you've prayed twice. So we're going to sing now. I'm just going to tootle back over behind the guitar. Let's all please stand. And for those who want to, please come forwards, even if it's just one step. Sherry was teaching me this morning about um, that posture of stepping into worship. You know how Gary teaches you that God is always present? He's right here, right now. He's in the room. He's listening. I'm not talking to him in third person. We step into worship that has been going on since the laying of the foundation of the earth. Worship has never, ever stopped. We take a Sunday morning to step into what already exists. When I start singing, it's not like heaven suddenly goes, ah, I was just warming up something in the microwave, and heaven steps down to come and join us. Heaven has been singing over us since the laying of the foundation of earth. I will stop waffling now because there's still a preach later. So please, stand with us, step forward if you want to. If you don't want to step forward, at least step into the posture of all standing and facing the same direction. I told this story before, but I'll tell it again. When the healths came to South Africa, um, I can't remember who it was, but one of their musicians snapped a string in the middle of the set. So you've got an auditorium filled with about 1,200 people, and a string snaps, and the music dies. <laughs> And um, whoever this amazing guy was just stopped and in silence of the room just took off his string and restrung his guitar. And he said, as I'm saying right now, guys, God's not in a rush. God really doesn't mind that I'm taking the time to tune my guitar. He doesn't mind our awkwardness. You know, we like stand there like, oh, please, please start. Please start. Stop talking. Just play a chord. If, this is when we pray. Lord, if you're real, if you're real, he'll play a chord. <laughs> and the Lord just, he, he, he's got such a sense of humor. He's got such a sense of humor. Yeah, worship's carrying on regardless of us. In fact, worship is now happening in this room. I can already feel it. We haven't sung a note yet, and I can feel the worship of God. Michelle's totally useless. She's at the back now, and she's, yeah. Guys, the worship has begun. With or without you. We're not going to do any Bono covers. Yo, that thing was bad, hey? When we tried to do um, songs from you 2 as worship songs. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. No, you have. It's Jesus. You know? Anyway. <laughs> oh, Lord, you're so good. Thank you for your sense of humor. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes and let me see. So this is the easy question. Get ready to shoot your hand up. This is not a trick question. You ready? Everybody got their arms, their arms armed? Uh, who felt a distinct difference in worship today as opposed to another day? Okay, so here's why. What? There's a reason? Because oh, I love demonstrating. It can go south, you know, when you hey tell an anecdote or use an illustration. Let's see if this will be a groaner. Okay, here we go. Good morning, Angie, comma. New paragraph. I love you so, so much. Full stop. 
Every morning I wake up and I'm so grateful that I am married to you, full stop. Page break, top of new paragraph. Now the danger with worshipping from a lead sheet or from an expectation or something rote that you've written before is that it's not really conversation. I challenge you today what happened is you had a conversation with God and it was a prayer conversation facilitated by music. <laughs> Trademark, copyright, Paul Elliott. Steve Stabra. <laughs> what happens when we have authentic conversations is I can come up here and make my wifey blush so bad she's going to hate me when we get home. And I can say, I love this chicken so much. And chicken is our native language. And snickerdoodle and my Julie. And who is Jesus to you that is not, oh God, my father? Who is Jesus to you? Like, we have such an intimate relationship with God in the beginning. God creates the earth for us. He creates the Sabbath for man and man not for the Sabbath. And then he comes and hangs out with us in the garden. And he talks to us. And we think back and we go, yes, that must have been amazing. Or we think, depending on our identity with God, that must have been terrifying to know at the end of the day that the creator of the universe was going to come and check up how we'd been doing with tending the garden. The point is that God set aside intimate relationship and conversation with us. And it was always prayer. Just because God was manifest in the garden standing right next to Adam and Eve didn't stop it from being prayer. We turned prayer into, as Bronnie said this morning, it was so funny, I'm going to ruin it now. Um, the guy up in the sky or whatever, the big guy in the sky, you know, the beardy man idea of our father sitting on a cloud. We fight this weekly. We, we know we believe in a risen Messiah. We believe in a Holy Spirit. There's a part of us when it comes to conversation that still believes that we're talking to a beardy man in the clouds. And it's just not true. Where's an empty chair? Jesus, Lord Jesus, you just sit right here. Okay. When we talk about Jesus and we talk to Jesus, our posture is all wrong. Everything this morning is about posture. I assure you that Jesus has a posture. Jesus will always run towards you. Always. No matter what you've done, he will run towards you. At any point in your life, the Lord is facing you, running towards you. That is what salvation is. That is what the reconciliation is. He's already facing you. He's already addressing you. So why am I speaking like Jesus is in the chair behind me? Why am I praying like Jesus is in the chair behind me? Who of you guys found it easy to pray to be thankful this morning? Like, honestly, just stick up your heads. Okay, everyone else condemned. <laughs> you failed the test. And life house shrunk. And Gary came back from holiday and he went, what? the heck happened here? By the way, any visitors? Brand new visitors? First time? Anybody? One. Fantastic. Welcome. Okay, so I don't lead the church in case you think things are a little crazy. <laughs> Gary and Louise are stable and normal. I'm the creative lead, so I get to take liberties up here. Um, so guys, what, what's difficult, what I said in the prayer meeting, is we get to this, we, we always get to call it what you want. For runners, it's a poly shorts. There's always this moment in your race where you're running on faith. You're no longer running on your body's capability. Your body's capability is tired. And when it comes to prayer, Jesus illustrates very clearly in Scripture, if your neighbor comes to you in the evening and he asks for three loaves of bread because he's got some visitors from out of town and he's got no food, you'll be likely to say, dude, it's three in the morning. 
go away. And if he knocks again, you'll be likely to say something else. But eventually, after he's knocked enough, after he's been persistent enough and petitioned enough, you will get out of bed and give him bread just to make him go away. That's Jesus' sense of humor. It's not written as a par parable. It's actually, it's actually written as Jesus telling a joke to the disciples to teach them. He's actually like, hey guys, this is how it works. You'll even give people bread to get rid of them. Now imagine how much God wants to give you the Holy Spirit for free, how much he wants to give you these things for free. But it comes by petitioning. So let's just go back to where I went off on the rabbit trail. The reason it was easy for some this morning is because I would expect they have a heart of gratitude. They have a thankful disposition. For the rest of us, like me, who had to learn this week that thankfulness is something required by God, um, you come up against this poly shorts, this part where you run out of energy. And it's at that point you need to push through just that last little bit to get over the hill. So we're going to pray some more in a minute. And I want you guys to push just past that. You know when you're going on holiday, are we there yet? Round the corner, over the next hill. God doesn't lie the way we do to our kids. It's literally round the corner, over the next hill. And God will deny nothing to those that petition him. So even if you feel like you've been asking for 20, 30 years for something, it's not that God hasn't heard you. That petition is prayer to God. You with me? So... Um, once again, John Mark Comer teaches that we pray for certain reasons. We also don't pray for certain reasons. Number one, as I said, we pray because we want something. We don't pray for conversation. Um, for those of us who have kids, you know what it feels like when your kids talk to you in order to get something. It's not for the conversation. It's not actually, Mom, I love you. It's actually, Mom, if I butter you up, you'll give me five bucks and I can go to the cafe. So when we approach God in prayer, we're not just having a conversation, we're asking for something. So that's why we pray. Why we don't pray, it's been oversimplified to say God either says yes to our prayers, no to our prayers, or not now to our prayers. That's a really nice way to think of it because there can only be logically yes, no, or there's no maybe. I mean, God is decisive, so not now. However, I can't remember, have I lost? Oh, I haven't lost him. Hey, Steve, I need your brain. So Abraham and eight, I believe it was seven or eight of the forefathers, all never walked into their promise. It was seven or eight, hey? So there was a season of God promising things to these guys that they died never receiving. However, we've received it. We have seen the generations of Abraham. We have seen the things that were held up in prayer and petition. So as Steve and Helen know well, are you prepared to pray for the things that you know God has put in your life, regardless of whether you get them this side or that side of eternity, without sounding like a nihilist where like, well, it doesn't really matter, so you can pray and pray and pray and maybe I'll get in heaven one day. Are you prepared to rise up the faith within you to pray for things that you know God has He said to you, Nikki, this is for you. And you just don't see the signs. Ange, this is for you. You just don't see the signs. Ian, this is for you. Well, if this is for me, then what just happened this week? Lord, you said this, and this is the absolute opposite. Now, what is your posture there? Do you not pray? Because the reality of our carnal existence out-preaches what God has spoken of your life? 
or do you pray regardless? Do you have a Job attitude and say, even if God crushes me, that's okay. It wasn't Augustine. Who was it? Um, the Reformation guy? Martin Luther? Yes. Luther on his deathbed um, said, Lord, you crush me. You know, I'm, I'm at the end now. You're sque squeezing it out of me. Lord, you crush me. But that it is you, it's okay. What? <laughs> like, honestly, I can't live with that attitude. I want to. I'm like, oh, well, okay, now that he said it, I can adopt that. But imagine being the first person ever to be facing your mortality and your prayerful petition. God's not in the room. You're on your way out. You're leaving earth now. Your prayerful petition is, you're crushing me. But Lord, it's you. And of course, what's tied up behind that, to guys who don't have a complete understanding of a good, good father, is that God would never just crush someone. God cries when we pass on. His intention was never for us to die to sin, but that our posture would first be, even though you crush me, because it's you, it's okay. Our most powerful form of prayer is when we give thanks unmerited. Okay? It's really, really hard. You're going through a tough time. You're living in a tough country. We're in a tough economy. And you say, Lord, thank you for the position of the rand. What now? <laughs> thank you that we're all sitting in here today with shoes on our feet. It starts sounding like, yeah, but that's just a bit of poverty mentality mixed in with, no. That pleases God. Okay, so here's the controversial bit, which I'm not going to use the passage. You can go and read it for yourself. Scripture tells us explicitly what God thinks of ingratitude. Okay, so that's withholding gratitude. He compares it to the most vile things in the Bible. He's quite explicit. He's like, ingratitude, though I don't demand it, really, really upsets me. And something that's very difficult for us to do under the best of circumstances is to thank God for things received. We don't even think about it. Like, honestly, we grumble and we carry on. So that's why all the more powerful to be thanking God when we're not receiving. Artie Kendall taught that by his own opinion, and when Artie Kendall teaches an opinion, it's probably gospel. <laughs> he says, by his own opinion, our highest manifest indicator of gratitude is our tithe. Now, as I said, I don't lead the church, so I get to say this because I'm not trying to get money from you guys at all. Well, you can tithe or not tithe, that's between you and Jesus, and I'm telling you now. He says it's the highest form of gratitude or ingratitude. Why? Because what do you have that you have not received? Scripture. What do you have that you did not receive? I think it was a, a secular comedian who said, no, it was Bill Cosby. He's still a secular comedian. He's a problem, actually. But <laughs> I think he said, um, and so man stood up and said, I'm a self-made man. And the Lord leant over and said, really, I distinctly remember making you. And we believe that we're self-made men. We believe that we have acquired what we have acquired. Even the opportunity to learn to write, to fill out the application, to get the job that you made for yourself, you have received from the Lord. Okay, so let's go to the top of the pile. 
after you've gone and done your studies, you've got your job, you've done your whatever, the only outcome we have, the only output we have of our achievements comes down to money. That is our output. Yes, we can reappropriate it for goods and services, but it comes down to our power concluded in money. So how can we receive the blessing, the power, the freedom that God allows through the economy and not instantly go, thanks, Dad. Forget the tithing. Don't even go to the tithing because that's, I don't know why we have a giant problem with that. I do, so I'm admitting I don't get it. I don't know why we have a problem with that. I think it's just pure mammon rubbish trying to lead our lives. But before you even get to tithing, when you get your paycheck, do you literally go, flip, Lord, thanks. This is amazing. Like, I earn 10 times what somebody down the road earns. And I get to say, because I've watched the narrative in my life, that the Lord has put me in a position to earn that money. So I'm like, okay, whoa, jeepers. You've put me in a position to earn this. Whatever it is. It could be 5,000, it could be 10,000. It doesn't matter what it is. You've put me in a position to earn this. Okay, thank you. Just start with the language. Thank you. And then definitely move to the difficult part very quickly and give her your first fruits. First fruits means you look at your balance sheet, you look at your salary, you look at what has to come first, and you go, Lord, I'm going to put you first. So a quick little personal testimony. First thing I do now, which I haven't always done, is tithe first, even if I'm tithing to debt. I don't recommend you do that. There's not wisdom in that. There's grace to figure out your tithing process. For me, I go, we're not going to make it this month. I'd better tithe. Can you understand the lunacy? It's like, we're definitely not going to make it. I should probably say thank you. And then what happens? Month on month on month on month on month. For 38 years. No, I haven't been earning for 38 years. Uh, for 20 years? God has never dropped me. He has never dropped me. Honestly, the guys who grumble against tithes and against this looking bad, tell me where and when you lost your house. And if you lost your house, tell me where and when you lost your car. And if you lost your cars, tell me where and when you lost your family. And if you lost your family, tell me where and when you lost your salvation. No matter what you boil it down to, God is eternally giving and we are eternally unthankful. And you want to know why? Because I think I told you about, I won't go there. There are a, a handful of things that are impossible for us to do without the Holy Spirit, to speak without the Holy Spirit. Number one is to say I love you without expecting the person to say I love you back. We can't do that. We're not wired for that. It's the Holy Spirit that enables me to go, Nisha, I love you, dude. I'd take a bullet for you. I like really, really would. Like, you are part of my family now, and please don't get me into a situation where I'm shot, but I love you. And you don't have to say anything. You can sit there and go, well, bugger that. I've got Bruce. Have you seen the size of the guy? <laughs> And we can't do that. We are not enabled to say I love you. We are not enabled to say thank you. We just, we don't want to. We're self-made. So what do we need? We need the Holy Spirit. How do we get the Holy Spirit? Intimacy with God. How do we get intimacy with God? Conversation. What is conversation? Prayer. I promise you the whole secret to everything Jesus ever did. Jesus, who says we will do greater things, let me check my clock, than he ever did is that he was often found, pick language you want, absconding, disappearing, vanishing, shirking responsibilities to run to spend time with the Father. He was always disappearing to go and pray. And that is where his courage came from, that is where his faith came from, and that's where 
I only do what I see the Father do, came from. You cannot listen to someone if you're not in their company. So Derek told me something this morning, which he didn't. And right now in his head he just went, no, what now? I cannot tell what Derek said to me this morning unless I was there. Forgive me for being totally juvenile about this. I cannot tell what Derek's intents for me are if I go on Facebook, Twitter, and body language. It's not possible. So here's the danger with only meeting God in worship, okay? Taking into account that I mean worship before, not worship as two-way prayer. If we are just worshiping God, magnifying God, glorifying God, and not waiting to hear what he says about us, we've done half the job. How powerful is this half the job? Who here remembers that first butterfly bubble, I like that guy, or I like that girl? Who remembers that first butterfly bubble? How good is it to go, okay, let's invent a person. Stephanie is now outside the church, and I'm going to profess my love to Stephanie, check and make eye contact with my wife. She's like, we're going to talk about Stephanie when we get home. Stephanie doesn't exist. So I've seen Stephanie. In worship, I've beheld Stephanie. I'm like, yo, that one, I want it. Okay? But then I don't conclude, culminate, communicate that. We know these stories of friends at school where you're like, dude, she's totally into you. What? No, she's not. And it stays there, and it's a missed opportunity, and it's over. The Lord hides us, ugh, hides us, hides himself in order that we would court him, pursue him, go find him, and go, hey, <laughs> I feel a bit awkward. I really like you a lot. Can we go for dinner sometime? And Jesus is going, flip yes. In fact, where would you like to go? And there's a conversation. But what do we do? We go, Jesus, where should I eat tonight? And we just, we just, we're not having the conversation. More than that, the intimacy comes in, tell you what, Ange, I love you to bits. You're cool. You're crazy. And I like that. So let's get married. Then we get married and we part ways. Do you realize that you are married into the bride now? That you'll be married to Jesus? Do with that what you want, guys. We're going to be married to Jesus. And then you walk away from the relationship. You never say, I love you. And highest of all, you never kiss the face of Jesus. Awkward for guys. As I'm saying it, I'm going, Ugh. but that's because of my understanding. That's my understanding. We never kiss the face of Jesus. That imagery is there for a reason. We are supposed to culminate and conclude this relationship, and it has to come through prayer, because watch what happens if I walk up to Angie before we've met, and I just kiss her on the lips. How well is that going to go for me? I should hope it's not going to go well, because if it goes well, then she's probably not the kind of lady I want to marry. But we cannot bypass conversation to get to intimacy. When we bypass conversation to get to intimacy, we, we, we trade on a currency. And it's what prostitution is built on. 
Do you want to have a relationship with God that is prostituted? It's kind of gross, isn't it? It's kind of unacceptable. It's kind of, I hope Paul edits that out. There's a relationship that is built through intimacy and conversation, and there's a relationship, diminish the word, it's not a relationship, that is built on the prostitution of relationship, where we just go straight for the kiss. As long as I feel warm and fuzzy and bubbly and awesome, and as long as my bank account keeps going up, I've seen the goodness of God. We have to get back to conversation, and conversation is entirely banked in prayer. So we're going to pray, and we're going to minister. Two reasons. Number one, three reasons have just come to mind. Number one, anyone here not know Jesus and want to meet Jesus today? Pop your hand up quickly. Going one, two, three. If you change your mind later, please come to the front. Steve and I will be up here. This is going to be very difficult to do without Jesus. If you want to skip the knowing Jesus part and go straight to the prayer part, you're going to have a really tough time. Number two, who wants to be filled with the Spirit today and would like to receive the gift of tongues? Going once, going twice. Okay, okay. I'm going to pause on three because we have one person. Sold. Okay, so sold to Ian. Because there are two postures of praying. Number one, good old English. Laments from the Psalms and requests and petitions. Lord, life is really hard right now. I just want to talk to you. I just want to vent. Would you just hear me? And Jesus sits down with a cup of coffee and one of the old Omar Rusks. Not the new ones that don't soak properly. Yeah, everyone's like, preach! It's true. I'm going to write them a letter. The old ones, you know, where they were properly cut and they actually soaked up the coffee. Jesus has those in heaven. And he sits down and he allows us to lament because a loving father goes, oh, my boy, just come talk to me. Just come tell me about your day. My, my daughter, come talk to me. Just That's the one posture. The other posture is asking. We do not have because we do not Nonsense. We do not have because we do not pray. Let me just switch out that word. It's so important. Lord, here are my needs for the day. What do you need for the day? Nikki, what do you need for Monday? What's going to get you through Monday? Like, have you thought about it? Or you're going to wait until your disappointment and then talk to God. We don't prepare. It's like we do a post-mortem in our prayer life. We're like, oh, today went terribly. Let me report back to God. He's like, I was there. I was actually waiting for you at six this morning. You know, when I said to you in the shower, next What's on your heart? And you went, Shh. actually, there was a shower. Shh. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, so we can petition and we can ask, but we must also learn to lament because that's where our honesty comes from. My vulnerability is, Lord, it's not going so good right now. And I'm doing well. I've got five minutes. And then the third posture is when we haven't a cooking clue what we're doing with our prayer life. None. Um, there was someone in this community a short while ago um, Dale was praying and he said, okay, cool, let's pray together. And the person went, what now? Like, what you've just said, because it was a conversation, what you've just said, like, um, you know, things aren't really going so well. I need a bit of a cash injection into my business. I know God's called me to that, so I'm, I'm missing the gap. Okay, cool, let's pray. And there was this, there was this, this, this nothing. There was this inability to pray. And that's what the gift of tongues is for. So, tongues is, um, let me take prayer to music before I wrap up and we pray. Oh, nice. Tongues is, if you transpose tongues onto an instrument, the guitar has 
eight notes, eight whole notes. It has 12 other tones, blah, blah, blah. It has eight notes. And those are the vocabulary of the guitar. That's why it makes sense, because I know where to put my fingers, and music comes out. And if I give the guitar to an amateur, they're going to put their fingers wherever they want, and non-music is going to come out. It's the same with our language. We build up uh, a word base, a vocabulary, and we communicate through that. On music, you move over into the jazz and progressive realm, and you start experimenting with new words that perhaps are even illegal in the system, but you are still using notes found on the instrument. And here's the confusion about tongues. Tongues might not be English. It might not be the English vocabulary, but you can be certain that what's coming out of your mouth is still words because it's part of the instrument. So tongues, as intimidating as it might be, it's just language. So those are the three postures we're going to have. We're going to petition. We're going to ask from a good, good father who won't give us a scorpion or a snake. He'll give us an egg or a fish or preferably something more palatable. Then we're going to lament. We're going to have a moment of just like not all fall down, but like, hey, God, things aren't great, man. I honestly feel like you're not involved in government anymore. Things are looking pretty, pretty poopy at the moment. And God can handle it. You can't blow his mind. And then for those who don't know what to pray, just pray in the Spirit. Um, we'll pray for you, Ian, and we'll pray for anybody who wants the gift of tongues. And it may happen and it may not, and that's absolutely irrelevant. It's a heart posture. So, Bronnie, if you'll join me, and Steve, if, if you'd facilitate, we're going to play music, we're going to pray um, in the song. We, I, I want to wrap before Hoppers leave, and I don't want us to go on too long. I want to keep your time. But if you can just get past that poly shorts in this moment, and just fight everything in you that's going, oh my word, please, can we land? I want coffee and I want to go home. Can, can you just fight that for me? Can you just fight that one thing? Even if you've got a bury on the bri this afternoon, can you just fight that one thing for me? I promise you your life will be changed. And I say that with full accountability. If you push through that bump today, 